through the years, uh, you and I have engaged in lots of conversations on uh, the two topics we're going to put together today and think about. That's evangelism and apologetics. And uh, I, I have, I've, I've, I've been with you when you were evangelizing in the street, uh, talking to waitresses, uh, sharing with teenagers, uh, lots of evangelistic settings, uh, and, uh, and and we've had lots of apologetic conversations. And I, I've heard you make arguments for God in just one-on-one settings through the way you teach Sunday school, uh, leading your own conference. There's lots of times I've seen you talking apologetics. And so we're going to talk about both of those today because I think there's sometimes within the church world confusion over, are they the same thing? Are they two different things? Is one right and one wrong? Is one what we're supposed to do and one not what the church is supposed to be about? And so just helping helping the church family, the broader church family, uh, think about those two subjects, and they are different, but they do relate in how that works. Yeah, because when I was younger, and of course, I remember us at other church ministries and Susan and mm-hmm. Jimmy uh, doing all sorts of conferences to be able to share the gospel, and mm-hmm. those were so many fun times. And at that time, I got to admit, I didn't know much about apologetics, and right. I was just trying to be able to be faithful to the Great Commission, and that's really what led me to apologetics. I like what Dr. William Lane Craig says. He says, it's not that apologetics is a necessity, but he says it's a utility. And one of the things that I really appreciate about apologetics is that it is about defending your faith because apologia is the word that it stems from, and that's making a defense, like a court case, right? And so sometimes we encounter people, especially in our culture, maybe, maybe we didn't encounter the same conversations that we did several generations ago, but in our day and time and in our generation, we definitely have conversations where people are more likely to ask some questions and maybe have a belief system that they either don't know what they believe or they think that there can't be certainty in what they believe, so they're agnostic. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they say, well, I just don't know if there is a God, or they might bend toward atheism. And apologetics has really helped me personally get into the conversation and make a defense for the faith, which yeah. really comes out of 1 Peter 3.15 too. Right, yeah. And we know right, the, the commission to the church is to make disciples, right? Uh, the commission to the church was not defend me. Uh, we don't have to go out and defend God. And I think, you know, some people think apologetics is, that's all that it is. You're just trying to make a defense of God. You don't need to defend God. You, you need to go out and make disciples. Uh, and then you, you can, in circumstances like you're pointing out, use some arguments for the existence of God or the truthfulness of Scripture or the resurrection or whatever maybe their hang-up is or their question is or their area of doubt is or their belief system is. You can use that tool on the tool belt to pull out and and it gets you to the point of, I can get into a gospel conversation with this person 
and lead to sharing Christ or or maybe they know Jesus but they're confused about something I can use this to clarify their understanding of the gospel and, and who God is but the big goal is make disciples mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do and part of making disciples is sharing the gospel and then training training the believer and and to me that's where the two begin to fold together that uh, it, 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 apologetics can be a tool for evangelism. It's also a training for the believer to understand God better. And when I understand God better, I worship better. And so it, it begins to, for me, it begins to kind of open up the flower and the blossom becomes more beautiful as I understand the complexity of God uh, more completely. So evangelism, though, uh, let's just talk about that specifically for a moment. Um, we both appreciate a book that was written by J. Mac Stiles. Uh, it, its title is Evangelism. It's one of the Nine Marks books. If you're familiar with Nine Marks Ministries, if you're not, you can find them on the internet. And they have lots of books on on church and church life and how to live the Christian life. Evangelism is one of those. He gives this definition. Evangelism is teaching or her- heralding, proclaiming, or preaching the gospel which is the message from God that leads us to salvation with the aim uh, or the hope or desire goal to persuade or to convince or convert. So evangelism is teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. That's what evangelism is. And apologetics has a similar but different aim, but evangelism is very much a proclamation to persuade people to believe in Jesus. And the beauty of the him laying that definition out and being able to recognize, you know, we are sent out to be able to share this good news. And what is this good news? And the the gospel, sometimes we narrow it to just sharing of our faith. So I don't, I don't want to do that. But in this particular sense and conversation of what we're talking about, I am going to Mm -hmm. narrow the gospel to God is holy, right? Mm-hmm. And we are sharing that God is holy, and we're sharing that man is a sinner, and we're sharing that Jesus came to save, and we're sharing that we ought to respond in faith and repentance. Yeah. In in sharing those things, then that's what I'm meaning when I say the gospel. Mm-hmm. But I do realize that the gospel entails all of the 66 books of the Bible, right, it, right. but it really is the good news yeah. that we're sharing. And I, you know, one of the things that I appreciate in my youth is that in my college years, especially, is that I first was learning theology. Mm-hmm. I first was learning who God is, who man is. I first was understanding the doctrines of the faith. And I think that that's very important for someone when they're sharing their faith. So sometimes I think we want to jump into apologetics and I think that's good. Don't get me wrong. Right. I I can appreciate that. But if you have good theology mm-hmm. and you can understand what is the gospel, what is it that I'm really trying to share first, then all these other things that God has given us to use in apologetics 
does what you were saying. It opens it up into this really beautiful flower. You mm. get to have these conversations and longevity that you didn't realize that you could have with people. Yeah. But that theology of understanding what evangelism is and what the gospel is, is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing I appreciate about that book. And there's lots of others that follow the same theme on evangelism. Um, it That biblical evangelism is more than just sharing your testimony or just sharing the ABCs. You know, admit to God you're a sinner, believe in Jesus and confess your sins, uh, which are those things are part of what you're doing when you're evangelizing. But evangelism is that bigger picture, like you're talking about who God is who man is as a sinner, what Christ did for us, who he is and what he's done. And and then how do we respond to that? And, and helping people get a framework for that gets you kind of past the tools and mechanics. And tools are good. I've watched you use tracks. Uh, I've, I've seen you use hand gestures to share the gospel. <laughs> um, you know, we've all done testimonial gospels. We've done storytelling, gospel telling. We've shared the gospel in in different settings, with different cultures, with different language groups, uh, and and those are great experiences. And you have to have some tools and techniques, but at the end of the day, you're trying to get that bigger story out of God, man, Christ response, uh, which uh, we use that a lot in just reminding people what the gospel is, uh, and and we're borrowing that completely from Nine Marks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's who taught me those phrases. Um, so don't give us any credit for that. Um, but also the, the narrative picture, yes. uh, of, you talked about all 66 books. Well, they lay out this huge narrative of the gospel, uh, and, and we use that as well and want to keep that framework in mind of, of the creation and of the, of the fall of man, of redemption through Christ. And then, um, consummation or restoration. I tend to use restoration uh, word, uh, but consummation, the end of things. Um, and in Guatemala, we use that a lot when I when I travel there and share the gospel, use that big picture story um, because sometimes they don't have much framework at all for who God is uh, other than there's a Catholic church somewhere in their town. Um, and to them, God is that building and those people and that priest. That's their whole image of who God is. And so trying to give them a story of where did we come from and why is there bad things happening? So the creation and the fall, and then don't you want that fixed? Like, do you want to live in the problems that you have? No, they don't. They want something to change and showing them Jesus is the redemptive factor. And and then what the future will be like in him, giving them a, a trying to give them a picture of it doesn't have to be this way forever. Uh, so we've used that technique there, but having the big picture, I think, is helpful. And the narrative really helps so much, that creation, fall, redemption, restoration, because when when people are just learning about God's Word and, and really unfolding their theology through the reading of the scriptures, then that really helps them to have that framework. And I do think that once they can really get a hold of that, then they begin to see this evangelism 
of what we do everywhere in every sphere. I mean, I see you preaching evangelism. I see, you know, people in the workplace. I, I've heard businessmen tell stories about how they're evangelizing in the workplace and just through living out the life of Christ in all these different places and especially in the home. I mean, it, it starts in the home and, mm-hmm. and you hear the proclamation of evangelism through the church and then you get into these wider areas and that's what happened for me personally is that when I was in college and I was learning and God was teaching me theology through the reading of God's word and through preaching and hearing people I began to ask people about you know, what did they think about Jesus? Who did they think he was? Or I, I would ask them, well, what do you think happens after this life? And mm-hmm. I began to get answers that, quite frankly, caught me off guard sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wait a second, I'm really not sure how to respond. So I began to ask questions and I began to seek out people who I began to realize, wait, these questions have been asked before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so people have already answered these. Yeah. And that's kind of what gave me the springboard into studying apologetics. And then I realized, wait a second, that's what Paul was doing mm-hmm. in Athens. Yeah. Wait, I mean, like there's actually people giving a defense in the Bible for different things. And that was really helpful to me. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we see the proclamation part of the Bible, right? The proclaiming of the Gospels throughout the New Testament. You know, John the Baptist was doing, you know, Jesus was doing it. You know, that's ultimately really what the prophets were doing, uh, trying to get people to call for upon God for their Messiah and, and their hope in Him. But um, you're right. You also then see in the Scripture as they interacted with the world, especially with the the Gentile or the Roman world of the day and them having other gods and other belief systems as this church began to spread outside of this Jewish context that already believed in Yahweh, God the Father, uh, and that he had a plan of a Messiah get outside that context of proclaiming Jesus is that Messiah to a, a Roman who believed in a pantheon of gods, how do you express belief in the one true God in the midst of that? And you see the New Testament start to do that. And, and that's what Paul starts making these arguments and the New Testament authors are making these arguments, defending the faith. And we're told to defend the faith. Uh, and that's really where apologetics come, come in uh, as we begin to hear those questions. And I love the, the way you're just communicating it from your own background uh, because that's I think that's every one of us if you want to be serious about evangelism you're going to talk to people that don't already have your your bible-based background and they're going to ask some questions that you go I don't know they're going to ask about uh, you really believe the resurrection is true can how can you prove Jesus really rose from the dead how do you know that empty tomb they take you to in Israel it was Jesus tomb or they're going to ask you is the Bible real? Man, just men wrote the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I know God exists? There's lots of people that say the earth came this way and that way. And how come I think, how come you think you're right? Those questions, if you don't have some ready answers, you feel stumped. Yes. And definitely caught off guard for sure. And, you know, even just recently, I, I remember sharing this with you. 
and I was going to an, a doctor's appointment, and while I was at the doctor's appointment, there was a gentleman, he was working, and we, we got to talking, and I don't really even remember how we got on the conversation, but something came up about aliens. <laughs> and as as we were talking, he began to tell me that he believed that that there must be some sort of alien out there. And so I said, I, I asked him, I said, so what kind of spiritual background do you have? Do you, what are your beliefs? And he said, well, I don't, I don't believe in a big God in the sky or anything like that. And I said, <laughs> okay, but you believe that there are aliens. Mm. And I said, well, well, why not God? Why aliens? And I can tell you, I'm not sure I would have had the confidence mm -hmm. to be able to have that discussion or ask those questions because I knew what the dialogue would kind of lead into. Mm -hmm. And that's because I was able to kind of read and prepare myself as going in and talking to people. Mm -hmm. So apologetics can do that for you. I think that sometimes we're silent, not because we don't believe it to be true, right. but because we don't necessarily have the confidence to have the conversation and we think we're gonna look like we don't know what we're talking about or that we're believing something by faith and that just seems silly. But mm -hmm. in reality, he very much was believing by faith Right. The aliens were out there mm -hmm. and that they were doing something in the world. Right. And so what I had to do was give a more compelling case for why God and not aliens. Right. And that's what apologetics helps us do. Right. And you could argue from faith with evidence. We, t we think in terms of faith as, you know, the idea of blind faith. I believe something, but there's you can't prove it. Mm -hmm. You just have to believe it. Well, that's not the faith we have in God or the Bible. You had faith with evidence. He had faith in aliens and zero evidence. Like he can point to nothing to mm -hmm. prove his case. And you can point to a lot of things to prove that God exists, how the world came into being, how we know this to be true, how the how the Bible was written to tell us that story, and we can prove the Bible's true. Right? You can go layer upon layer upon layer of evidence and go, now you show me your evidence. Mm -hmm. And, I, well, I just believe it has to be that way. I mean, like, what what evidence do you have for aliens, you know? Yes. so uh, But when you've studied and you've read and you've thought about these things some, you have that tool in your tool belt. You use that illustration again, it's a great picture. If you don't have that tool, you hit that conversation with the guy with aliens and you think, well, that's just as reasonable as what I think. Because <laughs> you, don't, you don't know what else to say. Uh, and, and you and you feel stuck. Yeah, and I will tell you that I know it takes time. Sometimes you can feel overwhelmed in, in learning mm -hmm. about apologetics, yeah. but there are some basic things that people can learn. And if they'll start with learning good theology, it, you know, if they're a new Christian, mm -hmm. I encourage new Christians, learn what God's Word says. Mm -hmm. Learn what you believe and why you believe it. And then you can kind of start learning about, well, what are some arguments for the existence of God? Or why can I say that Jesus really rose from the dead? You know, what is some information that I might counter uh, someone who says, well, I don't believe that he even existed. And yeah. there's some really simple tactics that people can use 
for those kind of conversations and ask people, say, what is it that you state your case on? What is the evidence that you use for that? And then if you don't have a response to that, then you can come back, you can go and learn a little bit and then come back to the conversation. Yeah. But at least you can see where they're at. Yeah, that's a great point um, in terms of just the ability to say, you know what, I don't have a good answer for that right now, but I'll bet I can find something out. Can I get back to you? Um, and getting a phone number or an email and then just sending them an answer or an article or whatever. Um, and, and you did something else with your illustration of this gentleman you were talking to. You showed us how to ask good questions. And I think that a lot of defending the faith is asking the other person questions and not, not having all this information. It's almost like you want to have a little spiral bound notebook with all your <laughs> arguments in it. And you go, okay, I just met somebody They're They're an agnostic. So put through your pages and read off about, okay, I tell them these five things. And then I'm asking them questions and finding out where they're really at. Because a lot of times people are saying, this is what I believe, but even they realize they don't have a good reason for that. And the reason they believe that really goes back to they were hurt by another church mm-hmm. or um, at, at one time in their life, they had some measure of understanding of faith, but it got kind of turned and twisted. And so now they just don't know what to believe uh, or they're living a sinful lifestyle and they don't want the authority of the church telling them it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're kind of fighting themselves over, I want to just believe what I do is right. And, and it's not so much, I need an argument for the existence of God. They need somebody to hear and listen and find out where they're at and speak to those issues. So just asking good questions. Sometimes it is a, I don't believe in God. I don't think you can prove he exists. And okay, well, I need an argument for the existence of God at that point. And I may not know it fully, Yes. but I can go get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you this too. One thing that I've been learning recently over the last just few years is that we have a better story. And Josh Chatro does such a good job of, of being able to communicate that what we're really doing is everybody has a story of their belief system, mm-hmm. whether it be Buddhism, whether it be Hinduism, whether it be pantheism or panentheism, regardless of what it is, we, we are in a spiritual society mm-hmm. and they have a story. And there was a book that came out a couple of years ago, or maybe in the last year, Reimagining Apologetics. It, it, it's because we're, we have the good story. We have the best story. We have the good news. Mm-hmm. And so when we're, when we're sharing the gospel and we're using apologetics to be able to communicate this great news, we're telling a better story. Yeah. And so we want to be able to be equipped with with everything that's going to be able to communicate that. And I really think that when Paul was telling the story in Athens and when Jesus was telling and communicating the one true God, him coming in the flesh, mm-hmm. you know, he's telling a better story. There's a kingdom and it's the kingdom of Satan. And there's a kingdom that's the kingdom of God, truth. Which is the better kingdom? Mm-hmm. Where do you want to live? Mm-hmm. And so the more we learn and the more that we grow, we can be able to communicate and do those things. Yeah, that's a probably a good place just to jump off because um, we do want we want to share that better story. The goal is people hear about Jesus 
and come to faith in, in Him. Uh, that's what we want to accomplish. Sharing the gospel with the tool of apologetics or not, we want that to happen. Um, and the goal is not to win arguments. The goal is for others to hear about Jesus. And that's another tool that can be used to do that. So, Dan, I appreciate the conversation and your insight on both evangelism and apologetics. If you're listening and you say, man, I want to know more about this, send us a message, reach out. We'd love to send you resources uh, or just dialogue with you. So, Deanna, thanks for the conversation.